The Koi Gig Pod on Off The Ball. I'm grimacing because it was such an opportunity. Possession-wise, I thought they were good, but they didn't have the cutting edge and they don't have Sam Kerr. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. Rugby on Off The Ball. With Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us. All right, I am delighted to be joined by a man who has just won the Triple Crown, the Six Nations, the Grand Slam, and is nominated for Player of the Tournament. Uh, surely going to win that as well. Hugo Keenan, I would ask you how you are, but I suspect life is pretty good right now. Hey, Nathan, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, all well on my part. Uh, it's been a good couple of days and, and a great weekend, so I can't really complain. No truth in the rumour that you had to be dragged out by the year out of Kyo's and South Anne Street in Dublin to do these interviews? <laughs> No, definitely not. Uh, the party's over, unfortunately. Uh, we're we're back into Leinster today, uh, re-introing for a, a big few weeks. So it, it was short-lived, but but very enjoyable. I said kills because I saw on their Instagram last night they were putting up pictures of James Ryan and Jack Conan and a few of the other lads were were still partying. So uh, were they back in Leinster as well today? That that was yeah. Everyone was back. Uh, that was probably from a few nights ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, Monday night, so day three, I think. Right. So, uh, and yeah. did you leave it at day three? We did. We did. Um, yeah, we were called back into action uh, today. So uh, I think three days is enough. We had to get our bodies and minds right yesterday and uh, come in today relatively fresh and prep the lads for the big game uh, against the Stormers on Friday. I assume it was a very light session. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm not back yet. Um, uh, on my return to play after a bit of a head knock there. So, um, lads still had a decent session out there. Um, it it was a good standard to good fifteen on fifteen teams going up against each other. So, I think it was a brilliant way to prep for the weekend uh, for those lads playing against what's going to be a, and sounds like it's going to be a very strong stormer side. So the last a lot of people would have seen of you was been taken off at, at half time and uh, failing the HIA, then not being able to come back on. Were you able to take a full part in all the celebrations post game, uh, Saturday night, all of that? Yeah, I suppose you just had to be a bit sensible uh, with with the head knock, but no, definitely able to enjoy uh, the moment. As still on the pitch at the end, uh, I was I was mad keen to get back out there for the second half, but. Uh, unfortunately, that wasn't wasn't to be. But delighted the lads uh, did the job anyway. I was a bit nervous on the sideline. Jeez, it's uh, it's not a good place to be. I'm not sort of used to it, and I don't want to get used to it because I think you're more nervous watching when you can't control anything. Um, but no, it was uh, those I suppose last few minutes when it was sort of in our control and job done were very enjoyable. And then getting the family on the pitch. Um, and seeing them after and getting them to lift the trophy and whatnot was really special. And then, um, yeah, we were into the RDS for a few formalities and and whatnot. So, yeah, very enjoyable evening. It's the whatnots I want to know about. Uh, like, it's <laughs> such a special occasion to win a Grand Slam in Dublin for the first time. Like, It's one of those things that you probably can't appreciate four or five days on fully, but in 50 years, you'll still be able to look back at that photograph of you and the family and the trophy, and you'll know what it meant at the time. The stuff that is fresh in your mind over the last four or five days, as as much as you're free to tell us about the celebrations, what are the things that, that stand out? What are the special moments that stand out? Maybe messages you've got or people you met along the way? Yeah, it was it was definitely just that moment in the Viva um, 
A doing the the sort of lap of honor with the trophy, and uh, I think that was that was the special part. How like the fifty two thousand people sticking around, bit of free from desire being played around the stadium, um, knowing that all your family friends are there watching on. Um, I was lucky enough. My dad did a good job getting a few tickets and uh, um, gave a few to friends and family myself as well. So had uh, unbelievable support in there and. Um, to have them on the pitch after is uh, is a bit of a dream and I suppose lucky enough just to do it in the Viva uh, and to get that chance and I think that was a huge motivation for us throughout the campaign and certainly um, that, that last week leading up um, into sort of that, that final as we're reviewing it. Uh, Freed from Desire, are you a fan? There's been a lot of debate since. Is this the appropriate song to be celebrating in Dublin after a Grand Slam? <laughs> Ah, it's it a works. bit of crack, isn't it? It works, isn't it? Uh, I think the I think the crowd got behind that. Uh, I I don't think we were controlling the the music. We were just going along with it. So, um, ah, it's it's just for a bit of fun, and uh, it's good good way to get a bit of a buzz going, and everybody likes it. I think it's good for Johnny Sexton and Peter O'Mahony and the older lads. Something of their vintage that they know and that they can get involved <laughs> with. Yeah, I'm a fan of the old school music myself now, so I wasn't complaining too much. I, the Freddie Stewart incident then, uh, our first time talking to you since, it's obviously been overturned, the red card since then. The uh, disciplinary committee said that the tackle, uh, they decided the tackle was an act of foul play, but they felt there was sufficient mitigating circumstances to view it as a yellow card offence only. What are your views on what happened, whether it should have been a red card, your your memories of the actual incident? Yeah, I suppose like it's, it's probably not down to me to judge whether it's a red or... Uh, if there's to be a ban or whatnot, but like I fell from certainly he was very apologetic after it was it was an unlucky incident, wasn't it? It was uh, it was just one of those events. Like I fell from as a fullback, it's it's a tough sort of position to be in. So uh, I was chatting to him after, and he was very nice about it, and he apologized, and I think it was a complete accident. So um, yeah, not surprised it was uh, overruled. Yeah, it is a difficult one because the more you watch it back I think the more people were almost undecided and we had a lot of people very strong on one side that it was certainly a right card and certainly all the emphasis is on the is on Stewart to slow his run down so that if there is a stumble or if there is a knock-on he can react quickly enough like you're playing on the pitch how how quickly would you expect a player to be able to react to the little knock-on and you maybe changing position at the last moment I don't know. I'm nearly probably the worst person to be asking. Like, all, all my eyes were on where was the ball and focusing on that. And uh, I didn't exactly get to get to watch it back or anything. So, um, one of those yeah, that probably no, five I, years I, ago we're saying is a is it just a rugby incident? But there's such a, a rightful awareness of head injuries and uh, protecting the prone player. When you talk about a fullback, you have sympathy. Does it, does an incident like that actually make you think about the way that you have to defend at times? Because even an accidental, and I don't think anyone felt that there was any real intention on it. You yeah. have to prepare yourself at all times. That if it, even if it means slowing down a millisecond to give yourself the time to change your body shape, the onus is now on you. Definitely, but that's the responsibility in rugby. But I suppose it's more for the the high tackles and whatnot, while this one was, was probably more of a rugby incident as well. So um, it's, it's hard to, hard to judge. I know we were talking about a lot in Irish camp, just getting our tackle height down um, and whatnot, uh, because we've sort of been punished with incidents in the past, like say Peter Matney's red cards. 
Um, so I think those are the ones you can probably control a bit more um, and be 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 uh, sensible with. Um, yeah, I assume you haven't watched the game back yet in an analytical sense. Uh, I've <laughs> I've been trying to. It's been a pretty busy uh, last couple of days. Uh, I'm about twenty minutes in, but. I'm normally pretty slow in going back reviewing games. Uh, I suppose first half will uh, be a lot longer than the second half to to review. Because, um, but yeah, you gotta. I'll do that maybe later today because uh, it is important. I think to to flip the switch and move on and and park things and take the learnings even from those games. Because to be honest, it, it certainly wasn't our best performance as a team mm-hmm. out there. Uh, we made sort of tough work of it. England uh, were. Um, making life difficult for us. We're um obviously making the breakdown um a, a real a real fight and uh disrupted our, our attack and our flow. So um yeah, I'll, I'll certainly watch it back and try take some learnings from it and I'm sure uh we'll be reviewing it in the summer in any uh, Irish camps we'll be uh, back into it. But there there obviously was a big tactical side to the game and what England brought to it. We're also wondering then, was there a nervousness around the game? Because like for so many of you, it was the biggest game you've ever played in. Did it feel different to anything that's gone before in your career in terms of importance, in terms of how you slept the night before? Um, I suppose it's it's about, like we talked about, like um, not, not playing the occasion, just playing the match. Um, and I think it's, it's, it was a big focus for us through the week and we did a lot of sort of mental prep on that side of things. And um, obviously nerves were very high for myself and I'm sure, sure the rest of the team. So yeah, that might've been a factor, but um, I suppose we're lucky enough to have a lot of experienced heads in the group. Um, I, I've never really been in a, in a final, so to say for an Irish team, but certainly have experience from, uh, from being in in Leinster finals, whether the Pro 14 or or Champions Cup, so it's about taking those sort of learnings um, in in with us, and uh, even treating the the New Zealand Test Tour last year, the final series, the cider as a final, um, even the Australia game in November, we we tried to treat as a final to get ourselves used to um, those sort of occasions, um, and up. Hopefully, um, this Six Nations would be be the same. Take those learnings. We uh, said Italy was the quarter, Scotland was the semi, and England was the final. And I think that was uh, probably just to to prep us for uh, more things in the future as well. So they'll definitely yeah, be interesting. this campaign as well. Because obviously, we you know players always talk of next game, next game, which is always going to be the focus. But actually, getting yourself into that tournament mindset of each game carries more importance you'd have to feel that something is going to stand to you come the autumn. Yeah, definitely. I think like the importance of putting in back-to-back performances is is huge. And when you get into finals rugby, be it with Leinster or Ireland, um, you've you've got to do it. Um and and certainly it's it's the only way to prepare is to go in with that sort of mentality to the to these tournaments. I'm sure Johnny Sexton was devastated in the dressing room afterwards. He didn't get the Brian O'Driscoll style blimp uh, after the match for the send off. Like he's been such a, a big part of every dressing room you've been in with Leinster, with Dublin, or with 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 Leinster and with Ireland. Can you can you talk about him and and that what he's done for your career, how he's the influence he's had on your career? Ah, he's he's been incredible. Like he's such a good leader. 
obviously incredible player, but like he sets the standard in training. Um, and obviously just drives you on. He's like having another coach out there, but he's he's nearly got a better feel for it in one sense because he's he's still playing, he's still feeling the same things you are. Um, so just to even learn off him on the training ground um, is is uh, so vital. And I think he's definitely been such a huge part to, I suppose, Leinster and Ireland's success. And then off the pitch as well, he's he's a great person to to chat to and helped me with a few, um, I suppose, through difficult times and gave me hints and tips here and there. And it's a great, great person to bounce a few uh, few ideas off and how you're feeling off as well because he's obviously uh, got experience on his side. So uh, uh, you've got to gotta utilise it as best you can. You're talking to us today, you're with Energia launching their Think of the Possibilities campaign, which shines a light on the volunteers doing the invaluable on-scene work at grassroots level in Irish rugby. If people want to go on YouTube, you can search Think of the Possibilities, search Hugo Keenan Energia, you'll be able to watch the video. In many ways, there's no better man to lead this when we think of the possibilities. I, I'm, I'm not sure if the stories of you being a sub on the C team at Black Rock when you were 14 are... The stuff of urban legend or urban myth? There was a team sheet going around one of the coaching WhatsApp groups I'm in a couple of weeks ago, and you're named as number 21 in an under 14C game against New Park. Like, was that a yeah, was that yeah. a one off, or was that your level at that stage? No, no, that was that was my level as captain of the of the D's that year. Being on the bench for the C's was probably uh, one of my highlights of that year. Um, but no, it was it was a bit of a slow burner. Uh, took a while to get going. I was quite small. I was big into into soccer at that stage, um, but I also wasn't wasn't good enough. I didn't have the ability, and I suppose just had to to work on it. And gradually got onto the seas, then onto the seconds in fifth year, and finally made the first in my final year in school, uh, making that SCT team. And yeah, it's all been uh, um, a slow journey, but yeah, yeah I didn't think she's like what a story, what a possible. What an inspiration for for kids of that age, you know, because we live in a world now where that elite academy mindset is put into kids from nine, ten years of age. You need to be starting to hit the grades. You need to hit certain markers along the way to see that, you know, somebody who's become such a key man for Ireland at senior level, that it wasn't that. At 14, it was still a bit of a struggle. When you reflect back as in the short time we have, how do you who do you look back at? Were there key moments when you're 14, 15? Was it just a growth spurt at the right time? Were there people who said the right thing? Because it would be, you obviously had a talent, but it would be easy at 14 if you're captain of the D team, happy to be on the bench for the C team to, you know, concentrate in soccer, to look elsewhere. What kept you going? I suppose the the love of the sport, love of uh, both rugby and football. I always tried my hand at different, uh, different sports. Obviously had a stint with sevens as well and, I think the combination of everything helped me develop probably different skill sets and gradually rise. And um, I suppose I never thought I'd be in this situation playing for Leinster in Ireland, but I always was determined to get on that next team, whether it was the um, whether it's the BlackRock SCT team or the Leinster Irish under-20s. There was always a little little stepping stones and I always took a short-term view. So... Um, yeah, hopefully I can inspire a few uh, of the younger generation not to give up and uh, to keep sticking at it and keep trying their hand at different sports and uh, uh, developing different skill sets to, to improve their game.
And a huge lesson as well, I think, for coaches and parents of kids of that age who, you know, quite often maybe do look at the star players at 13 and 14 and think they're the ones who are going to make it, that actually there are unpolished gems out there who develop at different paces. We've, you know, we've done things with Fionn Fitzgerald recently around GAA and relative age theory and players developing at different times. It's a huge issue in so many sports of players just dropping out because they're that bit smaller or they're that bit more of a late developer. Like, again such a prime example of give everybody a chance for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, one 100%. Like, there's always going to be late bloomers. So uh, I think it's nearly getting too detailed uh, from an early age and putting too much pressure on some kids. So uh, I think just going out there, enjoying it, and getting the kids self-motivated, which is a big thing because ultimately they're the ones who are going to have to want to put in the hard yards and... Uh, I think that's built up through through um, a long period of time as well. So, um, yeah, it's probably interesting to look at look at all those stats and theories. Um, but I, I don't think you should be uh, looking at them if you're a kid or if you're parents worrying about kids' potential or anything like that. Good soccer player. Sorry. Were you a good soccer player? I was all right. I was a centre mid, but as I. Uh, Progressed on. I've moved slowly back and back into into centre back. So uh, now I, I was never gonna make it to the heights of a Premier League or anything like that. Um, I just played for the local local side. All my mates were big in soccer, um, and it was probably my first love. I still still uh, follow Chelsea. Still follow the local uh, Blackrock football team and uh, get down to a lot of their games uh, and watching it because. A lot of my mates are playing for the the ones, twos, and threes down there, so it's a great up and coming club. So uh, now I'm enjoying getting down there. Well, Hugo, it's been great to talk to you. Many congratulations again. Uh, what a brilliant success it's been. Uh, not much of a rest. Ulster on Saturday week. What's the prognosis? Yeah, yeah. What a what a big fixture for us. Like Champions Cup on the on the line. So uh, yeah, trying to get back for that and. Uh, the lads have a good good test on Friday against Stormers, and uh, yeah, hopefully get back in the side for for that Ulster game because uh, it's huge and great to be back in the Viva for that. All right, great stuff, uh, Cheers, Hugo. And very best of luck in the in the autumn as well. If we don't get a chance to talk to you between now and the World Cup, thank you. Cheers, see you. Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, main sponsor of the Irish rugby team. We all belong to the team of us.